I'm just processing the most horrific thing I think that I've ever seen. And maybe it speaks to the very life that I've led up to this point, as others might scoff at what I'm about to describe. But to me, it was nothing short of horrific. And I, I don't think that anyone who was, if they had been there to witness it, could describe it in, in any other way. Although where it falls on the spectrum of horrors, I guess that's up to the observer to decide, but uh, nevertheless, I think it was certainly classifiable as something completely and, and totally graphically, seemingly senseless, and to me more than anything, I think that's what made it so horrible. I was coming home from work and driving back on Bonita Avenue in Claremont, which directly connects the town of Claremont to the town of Laverne, where I currently live, and uh, just gotten off the phone with my philanthropy director, and I saw this possum sitting in the middle of the road. He's just sitting there um, in the on the other lane, but uh, but he's just just there. And so I wheeled the car around and figured I'd shoo him off. But when I pulled up, the gravity of this poor creature's situation became more apparent to me. And uh, I saw that he was injured. At first, in an instant, the, the first moment that I began to realize what actually was occurring, I, I just assumed that by his position alone, he uh, had been hit by a car. Although, after that initial gasp of a, of a moment passed, although I, to say it passed isn't quite accurate as it's still an hour or two later uh, pretty graphically vividly with me. Uh, but after I was a little bit more present I noticed that 
he didn't really seem to 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 be maimed in a way uh, that a car would normally do it. And I, I pulled kind of up next to him. And I noticed that both of his eyes were gouged out. And there was a, not quite a pool more a spill of fresh blood in front of him. And he had defecated there as well. And uh, aside from that, however, he was just very peacefully sitting in the middle of the street. Now, again, I'm trying to make sense of all of this as, as we do any time that we come upon a scene that we're, we're not prepared for, especially something that's, that's graphic, uh, again, and, and, and shocking. Not to compare my shock to this poor animal's, because after I, I did sort of realize what was going on, I, I, not that I'm any biologist or know anything about physiology or what happens to beings in trauma, but uh, I, I suppose you can say that this poor little guy was uh, was in shock which was probably why he was sitting and just very quietly just stationed there in the middle of the right hand lane of the road And uh, I realized that I was really pulled right up next to him. And I, I kind of realized after a moment that you know, there, this is still an active road. <laughs> there are cars that are still kind of going by. And now it's late. It, like I said, it was, it was maybe even a little later than I normally get home. It was about 11.30 or so. This had been a particularly late evening because... Uh, I had eaten dinner at work, which is something I normally don't do, but one of our parents had brought in these empanadas from her restaurant that I, I love. And uh, I took the opportunity <laughs> to, to just stay a little bit later at work in the hopes that uh, I could actually, you know, finish up there and, and have more of my night free. and. Um, so this this is, you know, uh, fortunate that that I was that I did all this. I would, never would have never would have been there had uh, had, I, had I not. I 
probably would have left, you know, my usual time, sometime between 10 and 11. But uh, I noticed that there were cars who were not really understanding what was going on. There was just, you know, my car that was straddling the uh, shoulder of the road and the, the south lane of, of Bonita Avenue right in front of Quail Creek Apartments 960 Bonita Avenue and uh, the car I mean, this is a it was a average size possum but cars aren't necessarily looking for that especially you know to see my car buy it I'm sure that's not that people were not looking at the at the the rodent you know in the street um, so I, I realized that as cars were passing me on the driver's side on, the, on my left that the exact thing I was trying to prevent from happening initially and not getting this thing hit could I could very well induce um, by being pulled aside you know alongside next to him so uh, I backed up and pulled right in front of him so now I'm smack there in, in the middle of the lane um, and just you know just sitting there and I, I turned on my hazard lights and then you know it was pretty obvious that I wasn't going anywhere to the cars that were coming in now Bonita Avenue and a Tuesday night uh, in Claremont is not exactly a, an expressway or anything but uh, there is so still some traffic um, that's there maybe you know, a few cars a minute you know two, two or three cars maybe a minute maybe um, so uh, I again was just kind of in front of him with my his headlights on and I, I could see that well just as clearly it was dark even when I was pulled up next to him it was, it was sort of a little bit hard to see but in the headlights there I could very well see that his really is I mean both of his eyes were were gone um, and one eyeball seemed to be just sort of hanging from its socket uh, and one of the most awful sounds I think I've ever heard was its cough uh, it was uh, it was it was coughing um, I don't know if you know it was phlegm or blood or didn't didn't seem to be coughing up blood but there was there was something that was you know, he was having a difficult time with and uh, 
I could also see there was blood coming out of his mouth. And I, uh, gosh, I just, I just felt so helpless I, to, to, to do anything for him. So I, I, you know, Lord forgive me. I'm, I'm just not that, I'm just not that quick of a human being. I'm just not that necessarily always the, the quickest thinker. I'm not the, I'm not clever. I never have been. I, I'm not sharp like that. And uh, you know, the, the first thing I could could think of was uh, to to call the the animal hospital. Um, uh, that, that I knew it was open 24 hours a day uh, in Upland. <clears throat> I used to take the cats too um, before we moved to Laverne and. Yeah, they told me that, of course, they don't leave the hospital, which, of course, I I knew that. I, I just, I guess, was asking more for advice, and, and I should have known. Again, this is, this is obvious in hindsight, but that, you know, you call the, call the non-emergency number for the police, and, and then they, and I did, and they told me to, to do that, and then I, I did, and they connected me to the Humane Society that, uh, put the call out to their officer and then you know the Humane Society says well you know the officer is very busy tonight and yada yada she'll get back to you hopefully in a half hour or so and I'm thinking I don't know that this animal is going to make it a half an hour and what's worse is it's just sitting there serenely suffering um, in its own quiet way uh, and you know, these, these selfish thoughts come into your mind like what I'm so I'm just gonna sit here in the middle of the fucking road um, with my hazards on for a half hour while I wait for some possum to get first aid but I guess it's just a thought I guess it's just a thought it's like it, it comes it was just one, it was just one of them that I noticed there was no choice to, to not do that and I guess that's more just a confession as I, I I certainly did have that thought but there but there I there was never really a notion that I would uh, abandon it for, for sure I mean there was there was no there wasn't there was no choice there as uh, that I knew what my mission for however long it took was was going to be there I the difficult part was was waiting and and having to witness and again this is a selfish statement but having to to witness this i think the the 
maybe what was more difficult for me was to have to witness it and not be able to help you know if it was a human being or if it was a you know even a dog or a cat or I, I don't you know some I could have maybe I was foolish to to not do this but I, I I'm sure if it was another if it was anything with you know this dingy looking possum I I, I would have gotten out and, and pet it and just stayed there with it you know sat out with it but and I even talked to the uh, the humane officer who I was initially uh, the the dispatch from the humane society who got God bless these people I you know <laughs> um, but uh Yeah, he, he had said to me that, you know, you can't move it, you can't touch it, because you might harm it more, uh, and plus they, they just carry disease, and, and they could be acting erratically, especially an injured animal, who knows what it's going to do. And yeah, I mean, I get all that, but I just, I kind of wish I had had the courage to just say, forget about that, let's... Uh, just sit by this thing. Uh, but um, I stayed in the car, which I guess was the sensible thing to do. And uh, a couple of cars, they came up to me, you know, they're, they're driving right behind me. And, came up to me and, uh, you know, asked me if uh, I needed any help. They didn't see the possum. None of them saw the possum. Um, so I, you know, explained that I'm sitting there watching, you know, and I pointed, would point to her or whatever and just say, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for uh the Humane Society to get here. I guess if there was any bright spot in all of this, it was that several people stopped and asked. I mean, here I, you know, here it is, ticking down on midnight, and people are uh, stopping, asking if I need help. Um, but, uh, finally the, uh, the officer does arrive, except for that, by that time, this had become a sort of comedic, circus, this, this tragic comedy, um, because, uh, all of a sudden about, Ten minutes or so before, um, before the possum, or before the uh, humane society arrived on the scene, that the possum decided to stand up 
And it was just sitting. It wasn't laying down. It was just, just sitting. Uh, but he decided to stand up and uh, start walking. And again, it, it can't see. It, could, it couldn't, couldn't see. It couldn't, uh, didn't know where it was going. Um, and we're in the middle of an active street, which, again, there are not a ton of cars around, but just enough to make it entertaining to uh, somebody who might have been observing this because I'm taking my car and trying to move it in front of the possum anywhere it goes on the street and it's sort of pinballing itself you know, back and forth from both the sides of you know, the, the curb in, in the road uh, on either side of it. So it would go from the south to the north side of the street and again, just sort of ping off of a parked car tire and then go the other way and, and waddle across the street again to almost get hit by a car or, or my car as I'm trying to shield it. Um, and then in what turned out to be Ultimately, a, a fortunate move for it is that it found its way into this apartment complex called, called Quail Creek and uh, it got into the, the gate of it. Um, of course, it's, it's a gated community that I don't have a key to, so I, I hopped the fence and... Uh, just sort of walked next to it as it again continued to blindly walk its way into any place it could go. Um, and it seemed to have its sense of smell about it a little bit and seemed to kind of be following a trail of you know, scent in one way or another. Um, finally, the humane officer arrived, and uh, we were able to. After she got her car into the gate, it was it was like miraculous that, of course, as soon as she pulled up, a car pulled right behind her, and we were able to get her in. And uh, she had the the tether or the, that leash. Um, that she got around the possum's neck and uh, we were able to cage it and put it in the truck and you know, I, I thanked her for coming out and for what she did and again, I, I think that those people are saints. And I asked her, you know, what she thought had happened. And she said she thought it was probably maybe a coyote. Um, 
because again, it was walking okay. It was walking fine, I mean, you know, at least discernibly. I and uh, um, I left, you know, kind of a little stunned and just sad feeling. Um, and then uh, I got a call after being home for about five minutes. And the officer, it was the officer, Heretta was her name, Heredia. And she said, sir, I just wanted to call and tell you that uh, the possum had passed away uh, on, on the way to the shelter. You know, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to live. And I, I even asked Officer Heredia if they were just going to euthanize it as soon as they got it at the shelter. And she had said that depended on how badly they, the animal was injured and that they'd assess it. And, but I didn't think it had a, any chance of, it was blind. I mean, unless they rehabilitate blind possum and I, I mean that was what I was going to hope to I don't know I guess that's what I was going to hope for certainly uh, I didn't think that it would have any chance of uh, making it past an assessment even though I thought maybe after I saw it being as active as it was for as long as it, it was before Officer Heredia from you know, the Humane Society had gotten there. Uh, I thought maybe there was, was hope for it. But I don't know. Um, and uh, I, I just, uh, just saddened for that poor animal. There's this, uh, seems like this senseless, again, senseless suffering. A suffering with no, no being, no matter what their crimes, no being deserves that. You know, I, a sort of a reckoning and you know I'll kind of talk this out with myself or I I've just sort of learned to talk to God as as a friend um And that's sort of what I did, I guess. And I guess I'm sort of doing that now. 
I, in my own way. Again, I, I don't, I just don't understand the, the, the senselessness of it. This animal is an innocent being. felt sort of so helpless and yet so attached to a being I had never encountered before. this kind of hurt within it. There's this kind of pain. Um, and that's, I guess, as <laughs> inarticulately and philosophically I suppose as I am being at this very moment sort of what I was grappling with again not really even in any words even though I just said you know I sometimes talk just to the world or to God or to verity or whatever you want to call it and just to ask it like what what the fuck what why why that You know, I, I sat down and I uh, sit down in my spot where I sit every morning and every night. I don't know if what I do can really be called praying in the traditional sense, but I take some time to reflect and sort of deposit my hopes and uh, be thankful. And I sat in my office on the futon there and, and did that for a little while uh, and reflecting on, on this and, and sort of prayed for this poor animal and for all the animals for all the beings who, who suffer in, in this seemingly senseless way and I you know, I don't understand it. who can understand it guess the only thing 
we can do is to have some degree of, of hope and what you can only call faith that ultimately there is no suffering is, is temporal peace eternal and that things go on in a cycle and uh, as I was again trying to maybe make all that jive philosophically and spiritually and otherwise I uh, heard outside the window this rustling in the bush and I, I knew what it was right away I, I have a possum I just remembered I have a possum who lives in my yard um, who I've named the Opossum Paul or Paul the Opossum and uh, I thought, what a funny coincidence that I would have this interaction with a possum who I don't know at all, and then uh, on the very same night see the opossum Paul. Because I, I don't see him every night. I mean, I see him here, here from once or twice a week. I mean, maybe a little bit more. I'll, I'll hear him around or whatever, but it's certainly not all the time. And he was right outside my window, and I go and peer out for him, and sort of miraculous thing I witnessed. Is that Paul was not alone. That he, he was with another possum. And I've never seen, lived in this house for a year and a half. And I've, again, I've seen Paul around quite a bit. I've never seen him and a partner. And they both came out of the bush. And not only were they together, but amazingly, they were mating. I'm no zoologist, no possumologist, but um, it was very apparent that they were mating.
here, I've just witnessed the death of one possum, and now I'm witnessing the conception of another. And as Officer Heredia had said to me before she hung up, you know, she said, oh, "That's just kind of the, you know, it's the cliche thing that you say, of course, right? But it's the true thing. It's just, oh, that's just the circle of life. It's just what happens." And sure, I mean, gosh, she sees this kind of stuff happen every day. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you do that job and, and witness these kinds of things all the time. And she didn't seem necessarily desensitized to it, per se, but I guess you sort of have to be in a way. Um, but uh, I see these, Paul the Apostle and... and his mate doing copulating, and uh, you know, I, I I know Paul like I said pretty well at this point, and he he's not very afraid of me, and so I I went outside and cause I knew I was just gonna take my walk and probably have this talk and sort of hash this out between me and myself and. Uh, I got, I was able to get very, very close to them to see, and they didn't seem to mind me. I, I get close to Paul Walker. Paul will waddle up to me. One time, when we first moved here, I actually uh, used to leave the door open uh, in our apartment that we were at for the cats, and they would just kind of come in and out, and, and we were very used to that. That's how they lived, right? And so I, I did that here when I was living here at first and uh, one day I walked in the room and I saw yeah, two cats just sitting in the living room like they often do and, uh, and then the third cat was there and I walked out of the room and I thought wait one second I don't have three cats <laughs> and I turned my head back around and uh, there's Paul just sitting there with the two of them. They're just all hanging out. And so that's when I decided maybe it's best that I maybe keep the door closed from now on, even though as accommodating and as agreeable as, as Paul Paul is, probably probably shouldn't have him maybe hanging around uh, all the time, although I, you know, I would have actually no problem if he was just going to come in with the cats and you know, and act like a cat, but he's, you know, <laughs> he, he best belongs outside. Again, unless he wants to be tamed in that way, and maybe, who knows, but anyways, I was able to get right next to these possum mating, and uh, I took some pictures of it, and I, I noticed got pretty close that not only were they mating but there was a baby possum hanging on to the mother's ear so I, I don't know I guess that's that's 
my sign of the circle of life, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's truly, it's truly amazing. Uh, and yet, you know, very difficult. Uh, very difficult to witness. I, I, I wish I knew more what to say in these instances. I, again, uh, the platitudes of uh, you've got to have faith and just, you know, sometimes they just don't, just don't cut it. They just don't suffice. They don't, like, I think, I think sometimes you just have to be baffled. I think sometimes you just have to get wrapped up in the, in the horror. And there's something to learn from it. There's something you can glean from every experience, of, of course, but I think there's a time to be angry um, and, and in your own way shocked and um, to grieve a little bit for the general state of the world, I guess, because we're all caught up within it, and uh, there's pain here, uh, and what and why that pain exists, what that pain is and why it exists, I I can come up with a, again, a very good philosophical retort for it and, and be an apologist for this world as I so often am and be an advocate for the cycle and the circle of, of things and just the way that phenomena works in general. I could, I can easily do that. I mean, that's but at the same time that also, in a way, turns a blind eye to what's really going on, and what, what, what happens beyond beyond that apology, beyond that ideal happening of you know, this perfect sort of structure to the world. There's this reality that we're all caught in that uh, is at times just, there's no way around it. It's very difficult. It's difficult to deal with. It's difficult to understand. It's difficult to, it's difficult to live with. Uh, just, just to be very candid. And I'm not 
complaining. I'm not, I don't think even necessarily saying I wish it was some other way. I'm just saying that I'm myself, I think, find myself in a similar state as many others when I say that. It's difficult to understand why this happens in the way that it does. Why there is suffering in the way that there is. Why the pain that is so great in the world rules us as, as beings within it in the way that, that it does and how we have to to face it all of us and, and in our own way and, and how are we going to to deal with it when inevitably finds us because it in some way shape or form makes its way to our doorstep and we have to I suppose not so much deny it as we need to acknowledge it and work work with it Denying it would be, I'd say, the, the worst thing we could do. Denying it would be uh, would be counter. You, you can't. You have to acknowledge it. You can't. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. Because to, to do that would only be to actually further its existence um, by putting it off. What kind of pain is there when we see it for what it is and stay with it. Um, we, we grapple with it in, in the moments that we do and, and uh, how does how does then and how does it affect us? certainly affected me I've never seen something in that much pain before I mean I looked at it and knew it was going to die one way or another uh, the, the 
sort of uh, left field hope. I knew more or less unrealistic when off the Humane Society officer said that they'll assess it when they get back to the shelter. And I thought, well, again, maybe, maybe there's a place where they put the blind possums. Maybe there's a place where they, they put the blind people. They put the people who turn their otherwise good eyes away from, from these kinds of things. And I, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not one of them because I know damn well that I, I'm going to grapple with this in, in my own way for as long as I'm able to and then I'm just going to you know, shove on to whatever's left in my meaningless day to day. And yet all the while this kind of verity, this kind of happening exists. And and what can I do about it? What can we do about it? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I suppose you, you keep going. And you, you just sit with those who are in pain as much as, as you possibly can. But that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like enough. And then I, you know, then I wonder, then I think about, well, why, and what was the point um, of me even calling the Humane Society if it's just going to fucking die? Uh, You know, why, if there's some grand plan out there, you know, why, uh, Why? What's the, what was the point? I mean, so it didn't get hit by a car. Probably, probably would have been better off if it had gotten hit by a car. I hadn't protected it. You know why? That's that was my job here tonight is to protect it from not, uh, you know, not just being roadkill, so it could. What, die in a dignified way in a cage, if you call that dignity, rather than on the side of a road. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? Like, what, what, what is this? What it? Would anything have to experience this? 
is this is a part of it. I mean, and yeah, this is I suppose you know in the totality of of being. Yeah, I get yeah. I guess this is a part of it, but like we couldn't have. Uh, Couldn't have done without it. Again, it goes back to the senselessness of the, of the suffering itself. It goes back to the horrible horrible pain of of something that is innocent you know and, and by all accounts just this pure being just trying to to live as i would argue we we all are in our own ways Just sort of trying to survive. Yeah. And we are all also in our own way subjected to these horrors. Subjected to tragedy that we have to encounter and, and make some sort of sense out of, uh, or you just don't. And, and like I said, uh, you just shove on. But what do you what do you gain from that? This notion that. And I know it's not. I know it's not true because I don't know how I know it's not true. But I know it's not true that that this life doesn't care about us. I think so many people f witness this kind of thing and feel that it doesn't. And uh, how could you blame them? Because how do you, or how do I, defend um, defend the world that allows its innocence to be so vulnerable that it would allow for its own eyes to get gouged out and for it to suffer and choke and cough on its own blood and then to pitifully prod around in total darkness before it's just scooped up thrown in a cage and then the shock of its general being combined with 
it's injuries, just do it in. How do you defend that? How do you say that? Yeah, you know, this is all part of the plan. No big deal. It sure seemed like a big deal to, to, you know, that that poor little, poor little creature. It seemed like a big deal to me. Still does. I guess this world doesn't need defending. I guess it has plenty redeeming qualities. But I can see how they can so easily get blotted out by an over overrun by a seemingly small percentage of, of horrors comparatively. We focus on uh, on the horror more readily than we we do the inane or the the glad tidings of the world. It's something that probably just more naturally drawn to because it is so unnatural maybe to to our general state that it it macabrely becomes interesting and morosely is is uh, this kind of this kind of morose fast infatuation I should say Sometimes you, you take away anything from that kind of experience that you can say, well, that's, that's positive. Even though, again, just as miraculous. And there's something very strange is that in, in the moment that I'm sitting there with, with this this possum that's injured. I, I feel that it is spiritual is not 
I guess it's the closest word, but it's not the right word, but it's, it's, there is something religious to this, the the suffering. I mean, the Catholics are onto something with, with that. That we, we all suffer. And in that suffering, we, we come to a truth. We, we come to a knowledge, a realization. have to walk through that fire and again get burned by it but while you're burning I can't even imagine how much it hurt. And, and that's the thing of it is why did it have why does it have to hurt? Why do why do we have to hurt? I guess you can say, well, you come out stronger for it, but that possum didn't come out stronger for it, you know. He didn't come out stronger for it at all. Or maybe... Maybe it did. Maybe ultimately... It is stronger. Maybe ultimately nothingness is more powerful than any kind of being. Maybe there's more to being a part of everything than just having a singular kind of being. But again, why do you have to... Why do you have to go through the hurt in order... I just... uh, I wish I had an answer. Again, I, I know uh, I know that suffering leads us leads us through. You feel more deeply connected 
You feel quieter inside after you've suffered. After you've witnessed something, your, your soul is a little bit more still, quite a bit more still. Now, I don't know that you can say that that's necessarily a good thing. I, I think that that's beyond good, beyond bad. It just becomes a relationship that you have to the world. That's just, that's just what it is. We all have to be outside of the garden. We all have to be outside of the gates of the garden to, to understand uh, the beauty on the other side of the wall from where we once came. I, you have to leave it to appreciate it. You have to leave love and peace in order to comprehend the value of it. In order to, to have a proximity to have a perspective. Oh, suffering or the witnessing of suffering will certainly give you a fucking perspective. Just not sure. that perspective carries wisdom or something ultimately worth knowing. I guess, again, whatever it is, whether you quote-unquote know it or not, you... carry it and it weighs on you a little bit more it's like it's like you're carrying something heavy inside of you um, again it makes you all the more still Somehow, well, not somehow, I mean, it, it seems, it's so obvious that I was at the same time given this glance at the very beginning of life immediately after I was shown the end of it in the most 
horrific way. I guess I at least felt blessed. It's not the right word, but it's the only one I have in my in my vocabulary, my linguistic tool belt that comes close to describing relation that I, I felt by by being able to bear witness to that by being able to be a part of that suffering with this poor small creature and I was able at least to, to be there and I think maybe maybe it's not the suffering that does us in maybe it's ultimately the being alone while we do it or the feeling that we are alone while we suffer but maybe that's like everything else just an idea that we have maybe if you don't have the kind of conceptual human minds that we do you are readily aware of the fact that you're not alone. That pain is a, a temporary thing, like all things of this particular world. And yet there seems something so much more permanent about the kind of experience that I was privy to today and I don't really mean to make it about me at all as I was in no pain other than to watch and, and wish that I could take this pain from this animal. Again, the, the not being able to do anything about it was the most difficult thing, but Maybe uh, I was able to have it not be alone in its final moments. I don't know. I don't know. Of course. 